We turn in God's word this evening to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. As we have been in the morning in a series of messages out of the book of Leviticus, in the evenings we have been in the book of 1 Timothy. And we will be considering uh, this evening verses 11 through 15. But we're going to read uh, the whole chapter tonight uh, to go back and to put it all in context. So we're dealing with good warfare. Paul is uh, instructing Timothy how that good warfare is to take place. We have a first of all um, dealing with the subject of prayer, but it's in the context of public worship. And it's in this context of public worship that the warfare, the good warfare that is to be waged, takes place. So we hear God's word, breathed out word to us tonight. First of all then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed, a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also that the women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn, quietly, with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Thus far the reading of God's word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you this day we can come here to worship and praise you. We read in 1 Timothy your instructions for life, and we ask that you'll be with Pastor Bob as he explains this passage to us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So last Sunday we dealt with the passage dealing with, starting at verse 9, likewise also. That women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. I had a quote. I didn't get to it. So I want to begin with that quote. By using these terms, the scripture is not telling Christian women to make sure they're always out of style. What is forbidden here is not having a hairstyle or owning jewelry 
or wearing nice clothes. That's not forbidden. But using such things immodestly or indecently. God does not want his daughters to be overly concerned how they look. John Calvin's comments here are especially helpful. The fault is excessive concern and eagerness about dress. Paul's wish is that their dressing should be regulated by modesty and moderation. For luxury and extravagance come from a desire to make a display which can spring only from vanity or wantonness. Paul attacks by name certain kinds of immoderation, such as curled hair, jewels, and golden rings. Not that jewels of gold are completely forbidden, but whenever there is a shining display of them, they tend to bring with them all the evils which spring from self-concern and unchastity. So it comes to us as a reminder as to how it is in this good warfare in this conflict that we're drawn to, that men are to pray humbly, and that women are to come into worship humbly as well, not in this extravagance that was part of that day that Paul is warning about, but is so tempting for our day as well. But now we have to move on, and so we come to verse 11. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. As we'll learn later on when I read from it, uh, this also is in the context of public worship. The entire section is in the context of public worship as we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where Paul addresses the same note. But I want you to note what Paul begins with. All right? We might, especially in this day and especially in this culture, fixate on the I do not permit. But look what he is permitting. Read the first words. Let a woman learn. Let a woman learn. What a benefit. What a blessing. Not kicked out. Not you're incapable of learning because you're a woman. Not don't learn. Not never learn. Not you shouldn't be learning. In fact, what Paul is in doing is encouraging. Let a woman learn. Let her. Almost as if Paul is saying to the church, don't bar a woman from learning. Now, why would Paul say that? Why would would Paul have to say, let a woman learn? Wouldn't that be natural? And the answer is no, it wasn't. It wasn't in Jewish society. It certainly was not in the education of Jewish children where only the boys were giving uh, a knowledge. Oftentimes Jewish women were not even given the knowledge of learning how to read. Only Jewish boys. Listen to Paul. Let women learn. Don't bar that. Don't hinder that. Don't keep them from learning. And let much of the society of that day where that was hindered or where women were thought of as such second class 
such low human beings that they would have been incapable of possessing knowledge. And if they were taught, just at home. Listen to Paul. Let. Let. In other words, it is permitted. It is desired. You should not put any prohibition. You put, should not put any roadblock in the way of letting a woman learn. Let me give you an example of that. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Find verse 38, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Just get the picture. See what she is doing. Is she alone? No. Are there men there? Of course there are. It's Jesus' disciples. There's other welcomed guests. But so is Mary. And she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus isn't saying, Hey, Mary, you don't belong here. Sorry, you're a woman. Okay, sorry, this is just for my disciples. You need to move. In fact, Mary, what I think would be a good idea is that you go help your sister in the kitchen. After all, Mary, you know that's your place. And and don't dare put your head around the corner because I can see you. It's not at all what Jesus does. She's sitting there at his feet. Learning, listening to him teach. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. In other words, no, Martha, I'm not going to tell her to go to the kitchen. Because she is learning of the greatness of the Lord. So when you, before you, you, you know, the hair on the back of your head, begins and neck begins to prick up. I'm not thinking that will be those of you at Little Farms, but maybe those who will eventually watch this sometime in the future. Understand where this begins. Let a woman learn. But to that, Paul then gives two requirements. This learning of a woman. One, it is to be done quietly. And secondly, it is to be done so with submission. Those two requirements. So let's take the first one. She is to learn 
quietly. What's interesting here, and we're going to run into this when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, is that the Greek word that Paul uses here does not mean absolute silence. It means hushed. To learn quietly. I know many of you faithfully, thankfully, bring your little children to church. Sometimes little kids have a problem with the fact they think church is the same place that they can talk in the same volume that they do at home. And so what do you do? Shh. Quiet. You're not saying to them they can't say anything. You're not saying to them that they, that they must absolutely, as it were, have tape over their mouth. What you're saying is Don't be outspoken. Don't interrupt. Don't cause attention, call attention to yourself. That's the word Paul uses here. Now you and I, okay, as conservative believers in the truth and the literalness of God's word, ought to pay attention to the words then. What Paul is saying is this. When you learn, women... You're not to be outspoken in that learning. You're not to be challenging. There's not to be an anger in your voice. There's not to be a raised voice. Quietly. Hushed. Under, secondly, submission. Under the authority of Christ, first of all. Under the authority of the word of Christ, secondly. Why hushed? Because we're under the authority of Christ. In that regard, that learning quietly applies not just to women, but it applies to men. Secondly, under the authority of the word. And because it is the word of God, this is a word that is not to be questioned. This is not a word that is to be, to, to be challenged. This is not a word that, that in some way one has the right to speak their own thoughts about. We don't have that right. This is the word of Christ. But in that respect, it applies to men as well. We too, as men, are not to be those who challenge the truths of God's word. But the third thing is, is that a woman comes under the authority of her husband as well. And so the picture here is that of a woman learning, of the doors of the church wide open, particularly of the worship service is what is being talked about here. The doors are wide open. And if there is a question, if there is a concern... She should do so quietly, under the authority, meaning, first of all, to her husband. What did Pastor Bob mean by that? What does that mean? Further explain that. I have a question about that. 
See, what Paul doesn't want to have happen, and what Paul is saying should not happen, is that as Pastor Bob is going through this this evening, some woman stands up and says, that's male chauvinism. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. The ladies, no. Learn. Do so quietly. Even as men are called to. And do so under submission. Understanding who is over you. And he said, well, I'm not married. You have an elder. You say, but, but I'm a, a teenage girl. You have a father. See, this is what Paul is looking at. Now, my guess is, my guess is, given the fact that oftentimes these churches arose out of Jewish synagogues, there is probably a lot of challenging going on. Right? We even read that about Jesus, right? He gets done reading a passage, says this day has it been fulfilled, and boom, the whole place blows up. Who gives you that authority? How do you know that's true? Learn. Enjoy the blessed privilege that God gives. He is not placing you as some sort of second-class citizen Second-class Christian. He's saying, let them learn. That's why it's, in a sense, an address to the church. Let them learn. Men, let them learn. Women, as you learn, do so quietly and do so with submission. Let's continue on. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. So we've had the context of worship. A woman is to learn. Thirdly, a woman's position. What is Paul saying through the Holy Spirit? Or, let's put it the way it really is. What is God telling us? What is Christ telling us? He's saying to us, A woman is not to hold a position of church authority. She is not to be a teaching elder, a minister, a pastor. She is not to be a ruling elder. She is not to be a deacon. She is not to have a position of authority where that authority is exercised. It's not her place. It's not her position. It's not her role. Remember, we we kind of began this few weeks ago with with the fact that God made them male and female and he created them male and female in his image to each of them as male and female he gave that cultural mandate that creation mandate to them okay that's what it says in Genesis chapter 1 it doesn't say he gave it to the man it says he gave it to them the male and the female but we also said there are roles that God gives There are positions of authority. There there are things that women can do that men cannot do. You go, well, what's that? Well, let's just try giving birth. There are things that God has created that each of us in our own gender, as males or females, because that's all there is, newsflash, 
are given as an assignment. God, for his reasons that he will state. Okay? This is not just, oh, he's just being willing. No, he's got a reason for it. Says that for a woman, a woman, she is not to be in a position of church authority. And you see, it's in that context that she is not to teach. That's what Paul means. He is speaking about in an official ordained capacity that a woman is not to have that position. He is talking in the context of corporate worship. He is talking as an official representative of the church in that regard. She is not to teach or exercise authority over a man. Oh, can she teach? Yes. But she is not to teach in a way that exercises authority over a man. Rather, in that context, she is to remain quiet. So it's not that she can't teach. But in this capacity, she is not to. She is not allowed to do so. Now, I told you 1 Corinthians chapter 14, so let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Go down to verse 33. He's been talking about orderly worship and there's a problem in Corinth about an unorderly worship taking place and so on. But we'll start at verse 33. And it's just a couple of verses here. For God is not a God of confusion but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. Not in some, not in our generation, but in all the churches of the saints. Notice what happens. The woman should keep silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. Do you notice the difference? She is to learn quietly. But she is to be silent When it comes to speaking. And the speaking Paul is talking about is the proclamation of God's word. Preaching. She is to be silent. And that silent means tape over mouth. Not say a word. Not hushed. Not quiet. Not shh, shh. Pass me quietly when you go to the bathroom. Don't sit there in church and go, can I go potty? But when it comes to the official proclamation of the word, Paul now uses a different word. Now you must be silent. Still. No word. No voice. No utterance. And that, of course, if you go back into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, has great meaning because of 
all the uttering that was going on within the services there. So Paul, okay, is simply saying no authority, okay? You're not to hold a position of authority. That is not your role. That is not your position. Nor are you to teach with that authority. Be silent, not speak. Why would God do this? I mean, you you could say, boy, you were kind of short on that. Well, it's kind of short. It's kind of to the point. It's like, how are you going to argue out of this one? And why would you try to argue out of it? It's there. It's, It's right there. But look at the reason that Christ now gives to us. Christ now gives to us the reason why. Verse 13. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. There is something to that creation order. That's what Christ is saying. When I formed Adam first, I formed Adam first, and then Eve. I did that for a reason. I did that for a purpose. It was to illustrate something. It was to illustrate roles. It was to illustrate responsibility. It was to illustrate authority. It was to illustrate who is the authority over whom. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Hmm. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Is that right? Is that the order that it happened? Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, excuse me, let me read that again. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So let me take you down through the order of what happens here. In case you miss it. Okay. So Adam's created first, then Eve. There is something to that creation order. That God is saying has something to do with why a woman has to be under the authority of a man. But look at Eve's fall. Look at the steps. She listened to the voice of someone else. There was one voice that she was given that she was to listen to. Adams. She did not listen to that voice. She entertained the voice of another creature. That was step one. 
We're already on the road. Two, her desires to have what she wasn't given. She's desiring something. She wants something that she was not given. And she disobeys the command and eats. But then, look at Adam. What, what, is, what is Adam doing in all of this? And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. As I have said on many occasions, he's not on the other side of the garden. He is right there with her. Her fault is that she listens to the voice of someone other than her husband. His fault is that he didn't speak up. He didn't say, enough. Be gone. He does not guard her. He does not protect her. He does not watch over her. I mean, to get really mean, he's probably on his phone. What? What's something going on over there? What? Some snake talking about what? When did that happen? What? Fruit? Oh, sure, I'll have some. He had a responsibility that he did not fulfill. His failure was to guard. Go down to verse 17. When God calls him to account... Okay, he says, and to Adam he said, this is God speaking now to Adam, because you listened to the voice of your wife, who was Adam supposed to listen to? The voice of God. And rather than listening to the voice of God, he listens to the voice of Eve. He not only failed to guard her, he failed to lead her. And I'm going to tell you, men, when men fail to guard and when men fail to lead, this pulpit will have a woman standing behind it. It will. That's what will happen. We see it over and over and over again in society, in church. When men fail to guard, when men fail to lead, somebody's got to do it. So they take the fruit and eat. God says, no, that's wrong. It's wrong. Not only that she's standing behind the pulpit, it's wrong that there are not men there. And that there are not men who are leading, men who are guiding, men who are upholding the truth. That's why I entitled this, this is God's word to the church. It's not just to women. Yes, they're addressed, but so are men. Men are being addressed here. And because of his failure to guard and his failure to lead, he disobeys and he eats. And the responsibility of that throughout the rest of Scripture falls upon him. The consequence for her The consequence for her 
Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And there's going to be this constant butting of heads. Rather than the peace and harmony that ought to be there, it's going to be a royal battle. Who's to blame? Well, God says the woman was deceived. She is the first one to take and eat. Therefore, okay, therefore, we go back to the text and we work backwards now. Because she is the first to succumb to this temptation. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And that's why. What I love about this passage is what comes next. Okay, man. Lead. Look where we go in chapter 3. Take on these leadership responsibilities. Do your duty. Fulfill the responsibility that you are called to. See, there, it's, it's not like this doesn't tie into chapter 3. It's not like God's going, yeah, women, it's all on you. And God just says, oh, guys, you got a free ride. No. As deacons, as elders, we become under that responsibility. God gives offices to picture for us the responsibility that every single husband, father has to guard and to lead his family. But there's one more phrase, isn't there? The woman, verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet, and I want you to follow this carefully, yet she will be saved through childbearing. So work this back. Yet she, who is the she? It's the woman. Who is the woman? Eve. Yet Eve will be saved through childbearing. What? You're telling me that women's salvation is based upon giving birth? Yes. Did Pastor Bob really just say that? Yes. Because the seed of the woman is Christ. That's who Paul is referencing. She, the woman, Eve, will be saved because the seed of the woman is going to come and he's going to crush the head of that serpent. See, it's about Christ. It's about her. It's about one single one. It's not saying, hey, ladies, every single one of you, if you want salvation, you better have like 40 kids just to make sure. Because then what would we do with barren women? Say they're unsaved? That's not what God is saying. She, singular. Then she, the woman, Eve, will be saved through childbearing. Sandy, a couple of weeks ago, called my, atten called my attention to this passage. And we were talking about it and bringing it up. And it was just kind of, bong, yep. I remember that now from school days and training and so on. 
that that, that is the way. Because that, that verse just kind of hangs there, doesn't it, sometimes? It just kind of hangs. It's like, she saves her child. How do we deal with that one? Follow the pronouns. Just as we are all saved through Christ. Just as all of us, Adam and Eve's, men and women, we're all saved by the same means, Christ. But look at the next phrase. It's so amazing the way Paul writes this through the Spirit. She will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. What just happened to the pronoun? It just switched from she to they. What does that mean? It means this. That none of us can expect salvation because we're men. None of you can expect salvation just because you're women. None of us can expect salvation just because we know the name of Christ. There must be faith. Faith that comes to us as the gift from God. All of us. So the Holy Spirit in this passage is drawing us back to the basic fundamental of our salvation. Women, it is through Christ by faith. Men, you save because you're men. You're saved because you're a male? No. Your salvation is only because of Christ. By God's gift of faith. Remember that, church. Remember that none of us earn it. None of us deserve it. None of us in our role, none of us in our gender deserve grace. Deserves salvation. It's only by God's work. Through Christ. By faith. So what has the Holy Spirit in Christ done here as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He's saying you need to engage in the good warfare. Step one. Worship. Humbly. According to my word. According to my truths. If you expect your path of warfare to be blessed, if you expect it to be the good warfare that I'm calling you to, the first order of business is that we need to worship correctly. We need to worship biblically. Does it fly in the face of culture for men and women? Absolutely. And that's exactly why God separated us from the peoples. Because we are his holy people. Separated for his glory. Separated for his honor. As men and as women. Now God's going to organize us. How do we need as the church to be organized to fight this good warfare. 
chapter 3. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for its reminder. I'm sure for many in this congregation here tonight, Lord, this has been like preaching to the choir. We know these things. We're aware of these things. And yet, Father, it's good for us to be reminded of them because, Lord, sometimes the culture eats away at us from both sides. Sometimes it's the liberalism of this culture that erodes your truth. And sometimes, Father, it's misguided, misdirected, misused texts that are used wrongly and are used as a hammer against women. And this too, Father, is sin in your sight. And so, Father, give us the biblical perspective. Give us your truth. Plant it deep in us. Help us to live as your people. For, Lord, we do desire, we do desire to be the soldiers of the cross. We do desire to go into this world with the message of salvation, the message of hope, the message of peace that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Father, that training begins here in worship as we learn your truth, as we learn to battle, as you equip us for the battle of our lives in this world. And so may we humbly submit to your teaching and may we, Father, willingly engage in the good warfare that you have called us to. In the name of Christ we pray and God's people say, Amen.